All right. Anita, do you have that slide? Um, hey, just want to mention this again this Sunday. Uh, this is a, kind of a, one of a, the core values of our movement of churches is just that we see different circles of healthy church happening through the Bible and through history. So wherever we see healthy church, we see people gathering in different size groups. So the first is people are connecting with Jesus on their own. Jesus often went alone to pray, it says. And we see Peter praying in, in, in the book of Acts, just connecting with God one-on-one. It's hugely important, probably the most important circle up here, but not exclusive of the others. The second thing we see is just that small, intimate group, okay? Jesus and Peter, James, and John, Paul and Barnabas going out, Jesus sending the disciples out in pairs that we call those typically in our, in our church discipleship groups, okay? And this is a place for you to, to get together with somebody else and to say, hey, what's really going on in your life? Let's get real and know that you're still accepted and cared for and loved and support one, one another in that. The third one is house to house. We see that all throughout the book of Acts as people gathering in homes. Jesus has the 12 disciples and kind of this group of 10 to 12. And that's what we call life groups in our church. Please go to our website. Get plugged into a life group. It's just a place for you to build relationships with other people, to pray together, to look at the word, and even to, sometimes to be on mission together in that, in that sphere. Obviously, we have Sunday morning. Great job being here. You're, you know, there you go. Church gathered, okay? You know, we see that happening in the Bible, which is why we, we're doing it here. Right? Paul is preaching in the hall of Tyrannus. Jesus is speaking to crowds. Um, a few other examples of that. And obviously, hey, we're a family on a mission with God, and we want to impact the world wherever we go. And so just throwing this up here, this is not a guilt thing or like you need to do the next thing. As followers of Jesus in a new covenant relationship with God, we are called to be led by the Spirit. So if there's one of these circles that you think is not in your life and you sense that God is tugging on your heart to make the next step, then great, then respond to God by doing that, all right? So I'm just going to pause for a moment and let you just say, God, is there anything you want to tell me about this today? Is there, is there a next step for me? And then I'll pray and, and we'll jump into the sermon. So let's just pause. Lord, would you, would you just speak to us right now if there's anything you want to say about just how we're relating to one another in church? All right, Lord, we just, we bless you. You're good. Thank you that you have something good for us this morning. Just receive that by faith. So, Lord, help me as I speak. Holy Spirit, just come, fill the room. Help us to open our hearts to you and to hear what you have to say to us. We love you. Amen. Hey, well, uh, it was great to be away last Sunday. You guys were well taken care of, from what I hear, by my wife. Preaching the word. Good job, honey. More people told me this morning just how, how great of a job you did. Love you. Thanks for, thanks for doing that. So I was uh, at a church in Redding, California called Bethel. I went there with my dad because my dad has cancer, as I shared last week. And you know, we went through this church is kind of known for praying for people that have cancer and seeing many of them healed. And so we had a great, great time out there seeing that church and, you know, no fireworks in terms of, you know, no visible evidence of cancer being healed, but you never know until my dad has his next checkup. So thank you for those of you that prayed for us as we were out there. It was a good time to connect. And uh, if, you, if you haven't heard of Bethel, you know, maybe you've heard of Bethel music or some of the songs that they, that they sing is kind of the popular way that they're known. And I went to three services while I was there. I was there Friday. I went to the Friday night service. 
uh, and then a Sunday morning, and then Sunday night, just kind of getting as much as I could. And I have to tell you guys, and I'm not just saying this, but in, in one of the services, I was like, I kind of wish I was at the harbor right now. I mean, Antioch Beverly, sorry. I kind of wish I was at Antioch Beverly right now. So I just say that to say that I was so encouraged just being there, you know, kind of you expect like, oh, the glory, you know, like this huge church, and they have like a million bands and singers. But there's, there's just something powerful about being in your own family, you know, and worshiping together that uh, I was missing even while I was there. It was a great time. I'm not, nothing against them. They're awesome. And um, so I just, I missed you guys a little bit. So, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Come on. It's better than not at all. Better than me just being like, hey, I can't wait to get out of here. Okay. So I was a camp counselor for three summers, and every year our camp would do uh, something called the counselor hunt. And this is where the counselors would get dressed up in, in silly costumes and then go hide all over the camp. And the kids would kind of be divided into two teams for the week, and so it was a competition all week long, and this was one of the things where they would earn points for their, for their team, like the red team and the blue team, or it was usually something silly like the Skittles and the Starburst or something. And so... All the counselors would come up on the stage, actually something like this, and they would, you know, have their little routine that they would do, and then they'd run off as all the kids are watching and go hide somewhere in the camp. And so, you know, my first summer there, I was like, I had no idea, you know, okay, what, you know, what do I do? You know, who do I be? So I was kind of, you know, coming up with something, and I just decided to, to have this identity as like Braddy Brian. A silly idea, right? So I just like put on this crazy costume, and I like my, my story was... This, this guy that was like in the Gaga pit, if you ever played Gaga, and was just like this, the rudest player who would like always be mean to other kids. And that just kind of came my reputation. <laughs> like kids would see me and they just thought I was like this bratty, you know, kind of mean guy. So you have to be careful what you, what you pitch. So, okay, silly introduction. Hopefully we can get to where I need to go. But um, the question that I want to ask today as we're in this new series starting today is what is God's reputation with you. We've all got a reputation. We all kind of receive a reputation from other people, kind of our perception of who they are. And the question I want to challenge you with today is, what's God's reputation like with you? The series that we're starting today is called Reimagining Glory. What's so great about God? Obviously, as many have challenged, even in recent history, right, kind of more of the question of, you know, why is God so great or God's not that great, I want to shift something in our minds today. God's glory is not primarily about this infinite power being in the universe, although that's obviously a part of it. God's glory, what's so great about God, is that. Simply, he is good. And that the message of the gospel is grace. And that's what we're going to find today. Guys, God is good. And his gospel is grace. My hope for this series is that our minds are going to be renewed. We're going to believe what the Bible says over against our own experience, which will lead to a greater encounter of God's goodness and His grace. So we're talking about the head, the heart, and what we experience in life. 
I am believing that there is going to be a shift for many of you, even as we listen today. A new, fresh belief, a new strength to believe, regardless of the hardship of your life, that God is unbelievably good in every single way that he's never done you wrong. And that that is going to transition you into a new season of rejoicing in the Lord in every circumstance. Just to remind you again, our word of the Lord for this year, 2019, is that we need to become a people who rejoice in the Lord always. And if we can get a hold of that this year as a group, God in 2020 is going to give us a vision for what's ahead. Right? So to do that, we're going to, we're going to be in the book of John. We're going to be going through the Gospels as we're working towards Easter, where we will see the ultimate glorification of God on the cross. Oh, I want to talk about that right now so bad but I can't do that yet. So would you turn with me to John chapter 1? Really well-known chapter, and we're going to see just the goodness of God in this first section of the Gospel of John. And again, the, the question we're asking as we read this is, what is God's reputation with you? What's his rep with you? All right, this is John 1. We're going to first start with just verses 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. <clears throat> now, I heard uh, N.T. Wright talk about this passage once, and he said, wow, pretty bold to begin a book for a Hebrew who's writing this with the words, in the beginning. Have you heard those words before? Right, it's the first words of the Bible. And for the Jewish people, right, the first five books of the Bible is the centerpiece of everything for them. The Torah. So John is starting his gospel with the words, in the beginning. It's like somehow he knows or is inspired by someone. Okay, I thought that would be funny. Right? To write this book that is, right, the next phase in what God is doing in creation. Because Genesis is the book of creation, and the Gospels are the start of the new creation, right? Through God himself. Just an amazingly bold way to start a book. Now, just as a reference, if you, we'll read through this chapter, but just so you know up front, when John is referring to the Word, he's talking about the second person of the Trinity before he was born. Okay, so kind of standard Christian theology, there's one God, he exists in three persons. Jesus is the second person, God the Father is the first, Holy Spirit, typically third, okay? We love you, Holy Spirit, you're awesome, okay? And um, so the point is just that he's using this, this, this word, word, to describe the kind of the, the pre-incarnate Jesus, okay? So just so you get that, when he's talking about the word, Jesus wasn't given a name until he was born, or at least that name. I don't know what God the Father always called him. Maybe it probably wasn't word because that was, you know, this, that's English and there was a Greek word. I don't know. We're exploring mysteries here, okay? But just trying to establish that up front. That took me way too long to do that, okay? So here's the first few things that we see in this passage. Jesus and the Father are one. 
They are together, and Jesus has made everything. And here's where it really starting to hit us. Our life source is Jesus. He is what brings all goodness into the world. He is the light, it says, of all mankind. Light meaning, right, kind of what shines, what's true, but also the goodness of light. Everything that is good comes from Jesus. And his goodness will not be beat, although there is darkness around. The darkness that you have experienced in your own life. Jesus is saying the darkness will not overcome. And, it's interesting, just that word is often translated a couple different ways. It says the darkness has not understood it. So it's funny, in some ways, God is so often misunderstood about how good he really is because of the darkness in the world. We celebrated my second son, his birthday yesterday, and... uh, we did, Jay did, I said we, when Jay did all these things to make the day special, okay, I just kind of show up. So she, she, she uh, got all these pictures printed and put them, like a dozen of them on all the windows in our first floor, and then we pulled the shades down. So then when he came down in the morning, we like put some of the shades up and all these pictures of him throughout the years of his life, he's four now, uh, you could see all those pictures and we could look at him. She had a bunch of different balloons that we blew up. We hung streamers over his door to his room, and then in the, the kind of the end of the stairwell going down the stairs, he got breakfast in bed. He had a donut, hot chocolate with marshmallows and strawberries. I mean, it was like, you know, over the top for a kid. Uh, we took the kids to Sky Zone in the morning. That was kind of like his special event. So they got to jump all around on the trampolines there. And then he had, he had presents to open. We did a special dinner out at our favorite restaurant called Flatbread Pizza. So all of those things, you know, his little four-year-old brain doesn't understand, right, what time, money, and effort went into all those things. He's just experiencing them in the moment. It's the same with God. Everything in your life, every single experience that is good originated in the heart of God. Do you believe that? James says, every good and perfect gift, every, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. And that's so interesting, that same metaphor of light who does not change like shifting shadows. Meaning, God's not good to you some days, and then other days he's sending some rain clouds your way to teach you a lesson. Every good experience in your life originated in the heart of God, even if you don't realize it. Just like preparing for Wesley's birthday, God had good things planned for you. Verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John, John the Baptist. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. 
Again, that same phrase, light to everyone. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The light that gives light to everyone comes into the world. Jesus is born. So John doesn't have like a birth narrative like the other gospels do, but he's describing, right, Jesus coming and joining himself to human flesh is bringing light to everyone. But the world doesn't recognize it. And that's because the glory of God is not primarily his strength or power or when he sneezes, lightning bolts come out of his nose, right? That's not the glory of God. The glory of God is his goodness, which Jesus perfectly in every single way, in every situation of his life, personified and was that God is love. That is the glory of God, which is why all that stuff that happens in the Old Testament where you see thunder on a mountain and a pillar of smoke and a pillar of fire and all these crazy, you know, Holy Spirit theophanies that God's doing all this weird stuff, that was pretty cool. But Jesus is way better because ultimately God's glory is not his power. He's not just a tyrant sitting in heaven just throwing things around and shaking the earth, although he obviously is involved. His glory, his ultimate glory is that he is so good, which is why God's ultimate glory can be shown in the person of Jesus. The glory of God coming through because God is love and Jesus is that light that brings the love of God to bear on the earth. When we see Jesus, when people saw him, they were seeing the glory of God like no one had ever seen it before because here was love in human flesh experiencing and walking life alongside people. Oh, thank you, God. You're so good. We have to know that seeing Jesus is seeing the Father. They are one in every way, and everything that Jesus did was the heart of the Father. He never did anyone wrong in his lifetime. He was always lifting people up. He was filled with grace. It says, to all who receive him, and believe in his name, he gives them the right. Isn't that amazing? It uses the word, he gives them the right. Not like, you know, when your, parent, your parents are like, that's not, a, that's not a right, that's a privilege, right? Use that line, it's so lame, right? God's not just giving you a privilege. He is giving you a right through Jesus to be called children of God. That's how good he is. That's the grace of God. It's just, it's just free. God's just giving things away to a bunch of people that have never earned it. So Travis, who was up here earlier today, recommended a movie to me called Instant Family. Has anybody seen that? One person. Thank you. You're awesome. Okay. It's a movie with Mark Wahlberg and uh, this, this woman, I think it Rose something, and um, it's about this couple that's kind of like, I think we're ready to have kids, and then they, they go online, and, you know, she, for whatever reason, starts looking at foster kids, and they're like, you know, she starts weeping, and, you know, so they go through this whole foster deal. 
just kind of like what's happening today. And so there's, they go through all these, it's just a funny movie. There's a lot of stereotypes around fostering and stuff that they kind of engage in a, in a humorous way. And uh, they end up getting these three siblings. They were kind of hoping for one, but they kind of get, you know, pressured or, or just their hearts break for, for three kids. Their mom's still alive, and so they, I'm totally spoiling this movie, sorry. It's worth it for this illustration, maybe. <laughs> At the end of the movie, there's like this struggle with the oldest, the, the oldest of the three kids who's a teenager, and she's just really kind of fighting against them and them wanting to adopt her. And at the end, they just kind of share, hey, you know, she's like, well, you know, why do you want to adopt me, da-da-da, you know, you're not my real mom, blah, blah, blah. And they just say, hey, there, there was something in our life that was missing until the three of you came into our lives. We want to adopt you. And then Mark Wahlberg just gives this awesome speech about how I want to be there, you know, when you graduate. And we're going to cheer you on. And you're going to go to, you know, if, if you go to college, you know, we're going to cheer you on at your graduation there. And the mom's like, you will go to college, you know. <clears throat> and, and then he's like, I'm going to be there at your wedding day, you know, giving you off to this man that we have, you know, made sure is a good guy. You know, just all the silly stuff that they say. But it just... It, it just gives this picture of the beauty of adoption. Kids that are in need of a family, and you hear a father's heart for the good intentions for this now who becomes his daughter for her whole life, wanting to see goodness in her life in every way, just describing it. And oh, don't we know that God is infinitely better than that. He is infinitely better than that. We have the the right to get adopted and be called a child of God. Something that we don't earn, something that we can't ever work towards. We just get that and everything that comes with it. A God who is cheering us on, who wants to give us good things in our life. Oh man, what a beautiful picture. If you see that movie, think about what that means as a follower of Jesus that he would take you into his family and love you despite all of your imperfections. It's so awesome. It's just the grace of God. All right, verse 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. John, the Baptist, testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. Meaning what he's going to explain now. The law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Right? It says Jesus dwelt among us. The word there, everyone always talks about this, is tabernacled. It's It's like trying to connect it to the Old Testament when God comes down in this Holy Spirit deal and dwells in the tabernacle and then the temple. It's kind of talking about his, his visible presence with his people, God's visible presence, that Jesus came down. And so in the ultimate expression of that, the one that everyone was waiting for for the ages was Jesus joining himself to human flesh. 
And again, it's the ultimate expression of God's glory, that his glory is God's goodness. And we know this even from the Old Testament. Moses asks in Genesis 33, at the end of that chapter, he says, God, show me your glory. And it wasn't just a selfish thing of like, hey, God, show me your glory so I can experience you. It was on behalf of the people that God would, that God would come and visit and dwell with his people, that Moses would experience that as the leader. And God says, I will hide you in this rock and let all of my goodness pass before you. Right? We know that the glory of God is his goodness. So it says here that Jesus, right, is filled with grace and truth. Think about the glory of God being released in a way that we didn't understand it, maybe, or people didn't perceive it, that it was totally God's glory. Some of the things that Jesus says to people as he's walking around your sins are forgiven. Neither do I condemn you. I am willing, be healed. Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. Jesus, it says, has made God known. Right at the end of this section, he has made him known. When we look at the life of Jesus, we see what God is really like and that he is unbelievably and in every way for all time and every circumstance that he is good. God wants us to know that and experience it. All the things in our life that have happened to us that have been difficult and hard are screaming and the devil is using to get us to do one thing and that is just to doubt the goodness of God. That's his biggest trick. But if we buy that lie, it's very effective in destroying our lives. We have to get to a place where we say, God, I am going to believe what your word says above my own experience. And I'm going to trust you to make it real to me now. But we have to start and come to God with the only thing he asks us really describes as our work. The work of God is this, is to believe in the one he has sent. To believe that he is good. Regardless of what we experience, to lay down the things in our life that we want to hold on to and throw in the face of God and say, okay God, I don't know why you let this happen, but I am going to trust that you are good. And that whatever was was meant for harm in your life, God is then also working for your good. <clears throat> so, I went to Bethel this weekend, as I told you. And I think maybe a few months ago or even a year ago, I, I would have left really disappointed. I didn't have any dramatic encounter with God while I was there. 
I didn't, you know, get slain in the spirit and fall out and, you know, start shaking and have visions of angels or, you know, my body, like, feel like it's on fire, you know. None of that happened to me. And was I hoping for that? Absolutely. I would have loved if that had happened, okay? There was no dramatic, visible effect when people were praying for my dad. But I didn't leave disappointed, Because, guys, I just know that God is good. I just know that he is good and he is for me. And so I'm just saying, God, whatever you have for me, I am just receiving it 100%. We need to all get to that place. And I'm not saying, look at me, I'm a superstar. I'm sure things hard will come and there will be a a challenge to the next place of difficult life circumstance that make me want to doubt that. But we cannot afford to tolerate any thought that challenges the goodness of God in our lives. We have to move to a place of faith. Is there a place for apologetics? Yes. Is there a place for exploring kind of the difficult things in your life? Absolutely. God wants to walk through those things with you and let you know where he was and what he was doing when those things happened to you. I, had, um, I did have a crazy experience once or twice. I was um, about to get married to a beautiful woman who was willing to put up with all my crazy foibles and idiosyncrasies and stuff that you didn't know anything about until after we got married. <laughs> Amazing what you discover, right? About your mate. The day before I was going to get married, it was Saturday. We got married on a Sunday. I got sick. I got a stomach. I thought I was stomach stomach bug or whatever. And I just like, I was like, oh my gosh, I have to just get this out of my system and, you know, didn't help at all, okay? I, I had to skip the whole kind of like morning guy time, fun activities, and just like it was laying on the couch at our house. And uh, then just in the afternoon, though, it just kind of like lifted and I was able to, we were able to go to the reception, the um, rehearsal, and then the rehearsal dinner after that, was, and everything was fine. We went on our honeymoon, got, you know, got married, we got married first, went on our honeymoon, and then came back, went to a friend's, a good friend of ours' wedding that next Sunday, and then that night, the stomach pain came back. And I was like, oh, I don't feel very good again. It feels like it did before. And uh, went home that night, it was Sunday night, and then got up the next morning, it was like still there. And I was like, something is not right. And it was appendicitis. And so that night, Monday night, a week after we were married, I had my appendix out at Beverly Hospital. I don't know if they still have it, what they do with those things. It's in a jar on a shelf somewhere. I want that back. Um, did you ever heard of that, going away for a week before? I've never heard of that. What a gift. What a disaster it would have been, right, if it had not gone away. It's just a gift of God. It's just the grace of God. Now, you're thinking, well, that didn't happen when I... Don't go there. There's plenty of times where bad things have happened to me, but I'm just saying, man, God, thank you so much. You cared for me, right, in that moment. Every good and perfect gift comes down from from the Father of lights. Why did something bad happen to you? I don't know the answer to that. I just know it didn't originate in the heart of God. That's not his heart for you. Man, he's good. 
And the reputation, guys, that God carries with you is what, is what you give as the reputation of God to other people. That's the most important thought you will ever have is what you think about God, as Graham Cook says. One more thing, just to get into the grace a little bit. Guys, the gift that God gives us, ultimately, is Jesus. He takes my place, and I get to take his. This is a little, of a, a little bit of a tangent, but I am done comparing myself to Jesus. Because God is not comparing me to him. When he looks at me, he sees Jesus. Some of you need to stop beating yourself up because you're not living the perfect life that you think you should live and start to celebrating that God sees you as Jesus. He's not measuring you anymore. That's just one facet of the goodness of God. He doesn't operate that way. He doesn't shame you into things. He's not guilting you to do things. He loves you. You're a son. You're a daughter. You're fully accepted. When he looks at you, he sees the... He, he smiles like he was looking at Jesus, except it's you, and Jesus is in you. I guess I'm not describing this good enough, because you could never describe it good enough. It's that good. There's always more to explore about the goodness of God and his heart towards you, and all the things that he wants to do in your life. God is good, and his gospel is grace. He's given free stuff away, Right? The parade of God is coming by and free, free candy is going everywhere. You're not earning any of it. It's just, God, what do you have for me today? Can't wait to receive something. I'm not going to try to earn anything because I can't anyways. I'm just receiving the goodness from you. And ultimately, we, have, we see the goodness of God, the glory of God. Those are synonyms. Let's just call them what it is. Jesus on the cross. Through the book of John, Jesus is saying, Father, glorify me. I will be glorified. When you glorify me, when you lift me up, we see the glory of God with Jesus willing to suffer and die for you. A a, a horrible death at the hands of wicked men that want to get rid of him. And he says, this is is for you. This is grace. This This is me giving myself to you. It's the goodness of God that he would be willing to suffer And don't you know that every place in your life, he has suffered along with you. He has wept every time you have wept. And harder than you even weeped. Because look at him. He's on the cross. That's the kind of God he is. He's the God who is with us. He's Emmanuel. He's that good. He's a God who will suffer for these little creations that turned their back on him and hated him, and yet he would enter their world, join himself for all time to flesh. There's a human being in the Trinity. Come on. For all time, we've got a man up there. Our brother Jesus, who's proud to call us brothers and sisters. We don't deserve it, but we just get to receive. And guys, here's how we're going to receive it. through this other little G word called gratitude. Let's have, the, let's have the worship team come back up. God is always giving us good things, and gratitude is receiving those things. As once I defined it in a sermon, gratitude is hugging God back. If you want to know more of the goodness of God in your life, and you want to encounter more of his grace, the free things that he wants to give you every day, It's time to start 
thanking him for everything. If you've been joining us in this negativity fast and positivity feast this Lent season, Lenten season, yesterday's devotional was um, this guy named Steve Backman who writes this from Ima- uh, Imagining, no, Igniting Hope Ministries, said that the two, God told him at one, time, at one point, I'm butchering this, the two most powerful words are thank you. Because it is opening yourself up to see the things in your life that are good as a gift from God. So as we sing this last song, I challenge you, and throughout this week, the Lord's been pushing me to just say, saving that phrase all the time. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And then I just begin thinking about the things that he's given me and thanking him for those things. That will change your life. It will open you up to God's goodness where you can see the good things that he's given you in spite of the difficult circumstances and things you've gone through. All right, let's stand and we're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're just gonna praise God and we're gonna thank him. In your heart, whatever you can do to muster up a little bit of thanksgiving, I'm telling you, it's gonna shift you to a new place. Holy Spirit, come. We need to encounter Jesus. We need to believe in our hearts and renew our minds. And we also are, I'm just asking for an encounter today with your goodness. That we would know that you're with us, that you love us, and, you, and you're gracious towards us. So come, Holy Spirit, empower us to give thanks right now. Just strengthen our will to thank you, even in, the spite of, in spite of difficult things in our lives. Thank you, God. Come.